0: America, my name is, I'm Iosei Frimpong, and, and this is The Black Athenians. I come to you every week to try to give you a quality of politics that you might not get. On, well, you definitely don't get on mainstream media, because I am going to talk about some people today. I'm going to talk about some people, and we're going to talk about the way we think about politics, and at the end, you will be smarter. And let me tell you right now, if you appreciate anything I do, and you should, because today is going to be some high carrot quality jewels, I'll be dropping. You should go to www.funkyacademic.com and go ahead and, uh, you know, kick down five, fifteen, or $50 a month because, you know, doing the quality of work I do, I'm making myself downright unemployable in a way, but also fascinating. So let's get going. All right. So my daughters really like the Williams sisters, right? I was born in Los Angeles. I'm about their age. Like, they were all the rage. And they're from L.A., like, I'm from L.A. And then, like, you know, everyone, black tennis is a thing. So I play tennis with them. They're five and seven. We go out. And so they come home and they like the Williams sisters. We got some storybooks. And we watch some YouTube videos about the Williams sisters. And unlike a lot of people, I actually think Richard Williams is some, like, there should be. I think he's a fantastic dad. You know, like like I I I'm I have a complicated relationship with like dads like Joe Jackson or uh, Richard Williams. They're like I'm a you know being black is hard in these United States. So I don't know Richard Williams did it wrong. I don't want to be right. So I appreciate Richard Williams in a way, and they appreciate Venus and Cyril, uh, Serena Williams. Uh, and I think that's good for them to see like you know a black. Women do well at tennis, and we watch videos where the Williams sisters are just wiping the floor with white girls, and it's it's fantastic, right? So that's good, right? That's good for my daughters because tennis doesn't matter, right? I don't need tennis to secure me... Um, Uh, clean water. I don't need tennis to secure me a job. I don't need tennis to secure me, you know, away from police brutality. So it could be all about the personal triumph and the triumph of the will of Venus and Serena Williams, because tennis doesn't matter. And it's importantly doesn't matter. That's why we have like, you know, um, we, we have different, we have different uh, professional levels, and we try to equalize the competition because the competition itself doesn't matter. Only like the personal struggle of the participants matter. Politics is the opposite. The personal struggle of the participants doesn't matter, but their work, their vision of government does. Right? Like, let's say I can have a woman um, plumber come to my house, and my daughter see the woman plumber come to my house, and at and like, you know, I, I, not a lot of women plumbers out there for a variety of reasons. You have to, you know, dig in a lot of crap, literally. So I, my daughter see a woman plumber come to my house, fix whatever piping issue I have. And then um, what happens when the pipes don't work? After the woman plumber has come in and fixed them, the plumber can come back and say like, well, you know, what's important about me being a woman plumber is that I'm a woman and that I had to face a lot of adversity in becoming a, um, a woman plumber. And to which I could say, no, what's important about you being a woman plumber is that you go and fix my pipes, and that when you're done fixing my pipes, they work. Right? <laughs> That's the difference. That's the difference. It's not about her personal struggle to become what she is to get licensed, it's about her being able to fix my pipes. And the fact that she's a woman's even great. And we should make it the case that there are more women in trades. I believe in all of that. And all else being equal, I would, I would love to hire women plumbers and women mechanics. But at the end, they've got to be able to fix my car and fix my uh, pipes. If they can't do that, then their personal struggle doesn't matter. Right? Because there's an actual function to the office of being a plumber. That's not about your personal achievement and triumph. And believe it or not, there's an actual function to the office of being the president of the United States. Or any political office, which is about like... Alright, so the, this is good. I get to explain to people the role of government in their life. The first role of government, uh, first role of uh, a politician is to clarify and grow other people's capacity to govern. Right. In a democracy, you have to be able to grow people's capacity to govern. That's why they uh, that's why they should choose to elect you, because you've convinced them about governance in a certain way. And they believe that like the whole should government's role in securing freedom for the whole looks like this way. And that's why they vote for you. Right. And then you need to actually get these things done. You need to get these things done. I need policy articulated and passed that will secure freedom for all people. None of that has to do with your personal triumph. I didn't ask you anything about your life. But yet, that's what we tell people, we tell politicians to run on and and win. And there's a reason why we've changed that, we've turned that politics into a politics of vanity. Like, so all like, all... Almost all uh, political races are vanity races because they're all about the politician and not about their theory of governance, <laughs> about how, what they're going to use and how they're going to use state power, including our tax money and tax money and budgets and guns to secure freedom. Right? I want my presidential candidates talking about how they're going to use government to secure freedom in people's lives and how they're going to take us to war or not. Uh, If it's about them and how they've worked really hard for the office and how it's either their turn, to they deserve it, or how it would be really good um, for my daughters to see that they too could become president, uh, that's that's not the job. The job is using the power of government to secure people freedom, not to be a role model for my daughters right? It's fine that my daughters learn that they could, they could become president because they see another black woman president. I would rather them be able to, you know, drink water that's not leaded. And I would rather them be able to date someone whose parents have a job because we have a functioning state that actually secures people jobs and meaningful ways of life and uh, so yeah. All right. So I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the distinction I'm drawing here, but I'm gonna do it after the beat. To the beat, yo. Ah uh, yeah. <laughs> Sound good to me. Never change the ways for the world or the government. If it was the president, then I would take facts. You leave it up to me. I paint the White House black and ain't no future in your front. To the beat, yo. There To the beat, so the politics of personal ambition the politics of personal ambition actually trumping our politics actually trumping the role of government in our people's lives is a problem because what are you holding what are you holding obama for when he gets when he gets when he gets elected what are you holding him accountable to he only promised to like win all he did was promise to win all he did was promise to be black and beat the country's racism. So if the goal of the office is to show other people that race, gender, or religious orientation um, can be surmounted as an obstacle to winning the office, then the office is just a beauty contest where we uh, kind of uh, we, we debate about what constitutes beauty. Right? And' it's just, and the office is just about personal ambition. It's not about anything that they like want to do or have promised to do for securing your rights. Right? So what do you need out of a political office? Do you need an emulation of personal ambition? Because I can get that out of sports. I can get that out of sports. Or do you need a government that works? Black people, we need a government that works. Right. So if anyone's um, promising you a symbol that... Not a symbol. It's actually concrete freedom. So let me, let me make a distinction here. A symbol is something abstract that uh, can be misinterpreted. Or under, it doesn't give itself to a full interpretation. For example, if I draw a lion, that could be a symbol of courage. Or it could be a symbol of carnivorous hunger. Or it could be a single symbol of kingship. Or it could be a symbol of vanity. It like It's a lion, right? It could be a symbol of all sorts of things, right? That's part of what it is to be a symbol. These vanity races are not symbols. What they are are concrete expressions of a kind of subjective freedom. Right? What they are are the try. it's a concrete expression of a will triumphing triumphing over obstacles. Right? So it makes it about it it turns it from being about what you actually do and produce in the world as a politician, whether you're producing an understanding about the role of government in lives, or you're producing policies, you're organizing. Uh, Like I said, the role of government in people's lives and clarifying that, or whether you are merely fulfilling a personal ambition and showing other people that they too can fulfill a personal ambition. It doesn't, but very important, it doesn't matter what the ambition is if that's what you're doing. If they get the same charge, the same message that you can do anything out of watching the Williams sisters uh, that they do out of watching Oprah, out of watching Kamala Harris, that's not good governance. It's actually one-sided because it's not telling them like, how to actually, like what politics is. <laughs> it's telling them that they can achieve whatever dreams they happen to have. Right, so I do not need inspirational or aspirational politics. I need a government that works. And black people, do you want a black mayor who keeps your water with lead in it, or a white one who gets you clean water? Like that's I don't know. What do you want the role role of government in your life? If you want, do you want a black governor who? uh doesn't secure medicaid for your state or a white one who does right like one would be like yeah a black man can come or a black woman can become governor the other ones like medicaid <laughs> All right. All right so like it, you shouldn't look for politicians for that variety of aspiration Because if their only job is to be personally ambitious and to succeed in that personal ambitious ambition, then you've taken the substance out of politics, the objective substance out of politics, and made it about some sort of subjective freedom. And this is a this is a thing I study a lot of Hegel. Right, Hegel's a 19th century philosopher and he he did a lot of actually really thoughtful work and he worried about this too because he saw this as a form of late modernity if everything becomes an internal struggle and drama becomes an internal struggle then drama starts the good news is for art and drama if everything's become an internal struggle you can have a drama about anything everything can be a legitimate drama it doesn't just have to be about kings and it doesn't just have to be about like people who actually do things in the world and out of feats of heroism, it could just be about anyone who feels like they've overcome something. Because freedom is about overcoming uh, Like, and these personal dramas, uh, regardless of what actually you do or how much power, objective power you have. And he, was like, and he said, as a, as a form of modern society, that's, that's a worry about modern art, when it just becomes about this subjective freedom and personal ambition and personal dramas. The good news is it expands the number of things you can write dramas about, but it makes everything smaller and confuses people about the stakes of the world and what real power looks like when it's objectively institutionalized. So, I mean, you can think about this with, uh, say, the movie Hamilton. It is Is the musical Hamilton about Alexander Hamilton's personal ambition and Aaron Burr's personal ambition? In which case it could be about anything. Or is it about the dignity of America? And I think it's about Hamilton's personal ambition. So it actually, it's actually a bad, uh, not the best musical. And also, but I'm also one of these people who think that every Disney movie that doesn't end with a, a peasant uprising that overthrows the monarchy is, is propaganda. So you just have to understand what's at stake in these vain, these vain personal struggles that then go on to masquerade as like real self-governance. right? And now we can think about it, I think about it in terms of 92, Clinton, because that's when I I don't know, that's when I started paying attention to politics. There's a way in which Clinton was was identity politics for, you know, charming southerners with bookish wives, right? If you're a charming southerner southerner with with a bookish wife, you too could be president and your validation, your life matters, right? Um, George W. Bush, not so much George Bush Sr., but George W. Bush was identity politics for mediocre kind of dumbish white guys. If you're a dumbish white guy, your struggle matters. We wanted to validate your struggle. Simple kind of ho hum. dumb white guys were validated, had their struggle validated in the presence of George Bush. Didn't matter what he did. It was just that he was one of them, and he won. That means what their their lives matter, their aspirations matter. Uh, yeah, and then we had Obama. Now we had, we have, uh, Barack Obama. And that was the case with Barack Obama. It's like no race, no creed, no funny sounding name can stop you from becoming President of the United States. That was his campaign platform. <laughs> Nothing about government. It was about uh, how this stuff shouldn't stop your personal ambition. That's a horrible way to think about politics. It's as bad as thinking about plumbing as. Being the personal story of the plumber, being about the person, and make no mistake: when you go to a democratic training, they say, "Well, you got to tell people about the personal story. Your personal story is very important because people aren't really culturally prepared to hear about government. So, what they're really going to vote for is your, whether they like you based on your personal story. That's a problem. We should be preparing people culturally to hear about the role of government in their lives, because my personal story is a little bit irrelevant unless it shapes." Unless it substantively shapes, not just like happens to be, but substantively shapes the role of government in my life in an important way, but it's still not really relevant because they're not going to, like, I'm, I'm not going to institutionalize myself. I'm going to institutionalize healthcare or jobs or, or so I need. Um, so we need politics to be about what kind of policies people will actually promulgate. Like, advocate for, not how hard it was and their personal struggle to becoming a politician. Because right, I do not need that for my daughters. My daughters have Venus and Serena Williams. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I need you to do the job. Right. So, and I say this, and now we're dealing with Kamala Harris, and this is important because Kamala Harris is picked as Biden's uh, VP, and it's known far and wide that she will say and do anything. She will, like, you know, I'm I'm not going to talk about her relationship with Willie Brown, because that's not my problem, but I was in the Bay Area at the time, and at the time, Kamala Harris in the Bay Area was just known as the person who never met a landlord she didn't like <laughs> or would prosecute. So, and, and, and so the idea that Electing a black woman cop, because she's a cop, right? And yeah, she's a cop. So is somehow a, a, um, a kind of salvo for racial justice, but but really, it's just kind of a validation for ambitious black women individually. <laughs> like, like that's but doesn't do anything for the conditions, ideological or material, of the world in which black women live. Right? And In fact, it might confuse the fight. This is something I found fascinating about Obama. It turns out that during Obama's tenure, once he became ambivalent about uh, reparations, and this year was at 2011. Someone asked him about reparations. He was like, ah, well, you know, how would we do it? I'm like, look, look, Negro, you got your name is Hussein and you were elected to President of the United States. That's, if you can figure out how to do that, I'm gonna need you to put your back into reparations. A <laughs> you need to try a little bit harder. But he didn't wanna try because at the end of the day, his entire platform was about himself. Anyway, so uh, this, in this graph, in this graph you see that in 2011 the number of sponsors for the reparations bill in Congress like took a dip <laughs> because Obama had signaled that you know he wasn't for it and he wasn't going to worry about it and it just seemed like too much work so that actually confused People about the role of government uh, in securing justice for Black community, and it you know took an increase after he got out of office. So there's a way in which, and I've said this before because it's true, there's a way in which Barack Obama sold like took ownership of the entire civil rights movement and then sold it to white liberals. And they were buying for for the low, low price of his own election. All right, because like look at look at hold on. Right. Yeah, for the low, low price of his own election. Barack Obama. Here you go. No, I don't have a producer. Well, that's why you should go to WW.com. Oh, I had to COVID. I don't know if I could find one. Anyway, so look at this. There's Mandela. There's Martin Luther King. There's Malcolm X. And there's Barack Obama. Like, one of these things is not like the other. <laughs> well, I think one of these people is not like the other. Yet Obama styled himself as the heir to that lineage. And I just don't think that's true because these people were not about personal ambition. Uh, Mandela, uh, Malcolm, and Martin were not about getting themselves elected as like the the as the pinnacle of elect of of, of you know, rights in, in not just America but in South Africa of black freedom. Black freedom, Frederick Douglass was not, the end of Frederick Douglass's advocacy isn't Barack Obama. Frederick Douglass is a little bit weird because of how he wanted pictures taken of him. But that's a, that's a complicated story. But the, the end of W. B. Du Bois' legacy is definitely not Barack Obama. The end of these legacies are not Barack, because the end of these legacies are black freedom. And nobody, no black people became more free except a handful of, like, mid- upper-class Negroes, um, uh, you know, did well under the Obama years. But for the most part, black life didn't change. And that's the problem. And no, and, and Democrats lost 816 seats because whereas in uh, state, statewide legislative seats and 13 governor's mansions because... Barack Obama was bad for the Democratic Party. If the entire, if his entire um, shtick is that a vote for him is a vote against, like, is a a triumph of racial justice, then any other Democrat who's not him kind of has nothing to run on. (laughs) And so, like, it confused people about the role of government in their life. He wasn't interested in governing. And this is also a reason why everyone talks about him being the first black president of the Harvard uh, Law Review. Nobody talks about what law review articles were written under his tenure, whether they were they particularly good. Were they actually like moving the ball forward in terms of the law's responsibility in securing justice for black people? That didn't matter. What mattered was he could do it. And that is a huge problem because out of a black president of a law review, I'm going to need law articles that support the cause of black people in a substantive way, not in a memorial type way, but in a substantive way. So he found a way to take ownership of the black liberation struggle and then sell it to white people for a vote and that was very good for him personally was it good for black people according to the numbers not really we're not doing so hot and that's not Trump it's just we're not doing so hot because we actually needed government and not an example of black success as is (laughs) in the public as is Because he was selling to white liberals that nothing in America has to fundamentally change. Um, All you have to do is vote for me. And what message did they take? Well, nothing in America has to fundamentally change for all black people. And with that message, he was like, ah, sounds good to me. All right, where's my check? So that is a problem, and I hope you understand I hope you understand what's at stake now with this variety of tokenism, because it's a vanity. It was all about his vanity. His entire, like I worked for his office in, in what, 2006, 2007, 2007, before he ran, before he announced, it was always about him becoming president. Like his entire life has been about his personal ambition, not about securing freedom for his not I don't know I don't know if he even considers us his people I don't I don't know but it was definitely not about securing freedom for black people through like clarifying the structures that we need from governments or from communities no he was about himself this was all a vanity play so the idea that Trump's candidacy is a bigger vanity uh, play than a Barack Obama's candidacy it's just not true. Obama's the most vain person in the world. I think, I think Barack Obama kneecapped Bernie Sanders because Sanders had the audacity to advocate, advocate for programs that Obama spent 10 years telling people weren't things he could advocate for. Right? So Obama kneecapping Sanders is all about Obama legacy protection because Sanders even advocating for something like Medicare for all or a federal job guarantee then turns like makes Obama irrelevant. It's like, what did you do for me? What did you advocate for me, Negro, instead of your brother's helper? What is just charity? Honestly, you talk to some HBCU people, they'll tell you that George W. Bush probably did more for HBCUs than Barack Obama. I don't want to get into the details of that. It just might be true. Um, so you have Sanders out there advocating for things, but Obama spent 10 years telling black people they can't, like, they don't deserve or can't be advocated for at the federal level, and then that just makes Obama look irrelevant, whether they, like, Sanders achieves one thing, and then it looks like Obama's just lying to you the whole time, because Obama was just lying to you the whole time. Then you got Kamala Harris, who I don't actually, I don't particularly like, because she's running on she's running on the same thing, and that's why she can say everything and not be accountable for anything, because what she's really running, uh, running on is black girl magic. And this is what she thinks of you. It. Want to know what Kamala thinks about you? If you're a young voter, she told us. Hey, let's take a listen. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. That is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. You want to know what Kamala thinks about you? I don't, I don't make people do these things. I don't, that's not me. That's Kamala Harris in 2014 uh, talking at the Ford Foundation about why this demographic is, uh, commits crimes. All, but what you have to know is in San Francisco, three, uh, 6% in 2014... In, San Francisco, 6% of the population was black, 56% of the inmates were black. So if if it's this population being stupid because they're young, we got to talk about why those uh, numbers aren't universalized across all demographics. Or is it just black people who are stupid because they're young? Or is it just black men who are stupid because they're young? Or is it because the system targets them for disposability and they're reacting to that in that life? Right? So Kamala Harris could have said, well, you know, we target these people for disposability, and maybe they don't make the greatest ex- decisions, but these people are black and disproportionately poor because they've been targeted by a system. And now, unfortunately, my office um, exposes like, uh, uh, exploits the vulnerability, and we're going to do something about that. And we have to do something about that because these racialized numbers are bad. If it's just about young people, it would be young white people, young Asian people, it would be young, pe- young East Indian people all across. But it's young black people who are, especially young black men, who are in jail. So you need to talk about how it's not just them being stupid, but how they're being targeted. And if you notice, some sisters in the audience didn't exactly dig that joke because Kamala Harris doesn't have kids and she doesn't have sons, but I suspect some of these people do. And I'm going to play it again. You, If you're a young voter, she told us already. Let's take a listen. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. (laughs) That is why we put them in dormitories. And they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. You want to know what Kamala thinks about you? Again, we have to talk about why these people are black. If it's just about youth, why are they black? And I actually, you know, these people fight and die in our wars, so I'm just not one person to call people from 18 to 24 young because, like I said, we have them go and shoot people for us. And I, I don't know. I've, I've met some pretty, like, not particularly bright older people. So that's what we're in. That's the situation we're in. Look, there are a lot of things you could do as a, a, a black lawyer from a fancy school. There are a lot of things you could do. Michelle Alexander was a black lawyer from a fancy school. She did not become a prosecutor, a career prosecutor, right? There are a lot of things. She looked at that life and said, nah, I went to a fancy school, thought about going to law school. But then I saw, like, you know, I'd spend most of my time making excuses about why we have to prosecute black people. So, like, I don't want that life. So I'd rather do pretty much anything else. But uh, Kamala Harris looked at that life and said, hell yeah and i don't uh, the choices you make so i don't i don't i don't i don't i'm not going to vote for a cop but i told you i wasn't going to vote for a cop before so it shouldn't be can't call me any sort of names about that i'm not voting for a cop you have a lot of things you could do with your life you chose to like to do that profession that that prosecutes like the state arm of like of racialized terror onto black disproportionately men so that cost you my vote. But what I want to tell you is that this entire politics that's not about actual the role of government in people's lives, but about the personal triumph of the politician and how that personal triumph then means like, like that your kids or other people in that demographic can, too, have personal triumph. Simpliciter. That's a confused and vain notion of politics. And I hope you take that seriously, because there's no holding accountable. If that's, the, if, that's, if that's what success looks like, personal triumph, then if they do get elected, what are you going to hold them accountable for? They, they did what they were supposed to do, which is triumph over a racist electorate. Is that what you need out of a politician, someone who triumphs over a racist electorate? No, I need someone who secures government's role in like, securing freedom for my people. I, mean, I need a federal job guarantee. I need... I need or it clarifies the fight. Not just someone who is an ex- exceptionally good at triumphing over, uh, you know, the small struggles that is going from being a law professor at uh, uh, University of Chicago to being uh, very, very wealthy. Right? So... I don't know. Obama spent a lot of time telling everyone and convincing the nation, especially white liberals who bought it, (laughs) that his personal triumph is identical to black personal triumph. I think John Lewis did the same thing. So I think this uh, this is a whole genre of hustle, where you take ownership of the black struggle and then sell it to white liberals for plaudits and butter biscuits or whatever, and at the expense and confusion of all the black people who are still struggling uh, because you've sold them out (laughs) their justice claim for a a personal come-up. So thank you for your time. If you like what I'm doing, well, you know what to do. If you appreciate the work I do every week, and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, or make one enormous donation. I like the monthlies. Because it allows me to budget more And that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget Or getting better equipment that works all the time Because a lot of, in a lot of ways Freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on (laughs) And I want to be a free Negro So, um, if you like what I do Go to funkyacademic.com And contribute Thanks often comes in the form of cash And the site takes